Brian Marcy once said, the list of public problems that will get worse before they get better looks as if it will get longer before it gets shorter. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a purpose with Jonathan and Rick. The objective of our program is to discuss with you, our listeners, thought-provoking and meaningful topics based on the Bible. This is a call-in format. We are caller-friendly, and we certainly look forward to hearing your point of view. For those of you who may be listening for the first time, our perspective is this. We believe that there is one God, and through him there is one truth which is found in the Bible. Our purpose is to stir your thinking up along with ours as we continually search for clarity and understanding this one truth. Well, we are not here to teach. We are here to seriously provoke your thinking according to Hebrews 10.24, which is the theme for our program. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. This provoking is encouraged by Isaiah 1.18. Come now and let us reason together. And we look to frame our comments in the context of 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 19 and 21. Quench not the spirit. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. And the only end result we seek to accomplish is to bring praise, honor, and glory to God our Father and Jesus our Lord. If you'd like to contact us or suggest a topic for a future program, and when a Christian Questions travel mug, here's what you do. You write us at Christian Questions, P.O. Box 1837, New London, Connecticut, 06320, or check us out on the web at www.christianquestions.net. And if you do have a Christian question or want to reopen a previously aired topic, give us a call, let us know, and we'll see what we can do. So on behalf of Jonathan, my co-host... Good morning, Rick. And Sean, the busy guy behind the board... Good morning, gentlemen. He's moving stuff around over there. We want to welcome you to this hour of our program. So, Jonathan, lots happened in the last week. Oh, that's for sure. It's, uh, it's amazing. Uh, current events are, are unfolding as we speak. But uh, just quickly, what, where were we? What did we discuss last uh, last program? Last program, we talked about, so were you a wise guy? Right. And it wasn't, so are you a wise guy. It was, no. so are you a wise guy. That's right. And talking about, last week, uh, applying the wisdom of God to our lives uh, versus the wisdom of man. And I think if we were to take a vote as to the result of last week's program, we would all vote for the wisdom of God instead of the wisdom of man. Oh, yes. <laughs> No and, and we would also all uh, observe that attaining and maintaining the wisdom of God in our lives is a very difficult task. That's correct. So, but it's worth it. That's right. It's hard, but it's worth it. You got it. That's what it's all about. This morning, Jonathan, we had a, an agenda, and then we changed our minds in the middle of the week. That's right. And it's because of uh, the experiences going on around the world. And our title or question for this morning is, Will Wars ever end. And our theme text is found in Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And I'll tell you, we asked the question, will wars ever end? And in that scripture in Isaiah 9, 7, it says, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. So that gives you a, a hint as to the answer that we're going to be uh, establishing this morning. Yes. 
But uh, until we get to that, Jonathan, we are at war. Uh, whether or not you believe that this is a just war, the fact that it is happening does not produce happy thoughts. I think most humans, when such events are made painfully real to them, truly yearn for an answer that will solve the issue of violence once and for all. For some, we think that we all ought to just get along. For some, we think that we ought to live and let live. And for others, we think that peace only comes through strength. So, does God have an answer? Can God end wars? Does God even want wars? Want to end wars? I think the answer to all of this is a resounding yes. I think God has a plan. I think we are all in it. And better yet, we will all like it once we understand it. This morning, in this time of war, we will focus on the scriptural description of this mighty plan of God and see just how the Almighty will end wars once and for all. Well, Rick, this morning we only have one question. I think that's a first. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and our question for consideration is, how does the Bible describe God's plan for ending war? And uh, I don't know about you, but see, to me this is one of the most uh, uh, inspirational subjects that I could ever think of discussing, especially in the environment that we're in right now. Because as the, the events unfold and, and you're starting to see um, death tolls mount and um, you know, the, the reality really sets in. Yeah. At the very beginning, during the middle of the week, when things were getting started, it's almost, it's, it's odd to see a war happening on television. Oh, and nonstop. Right, right. <laughs> over it, and over it's again. always there at every little development where yeah. we're hearing about and in many cases we're, we're seeing it happen as it happens. That doesn't help our anxiety levels, does it? No, it doesn't. But, you know, it, 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 it's, I think sometimes because we can sit at home in the comfort of our own home and watch all of that, it takes away the horror of what's really going on because it's like Good a point. movie. It's, Good point. it's like you're, you know, you're seeing it on this little box. And we sometimes don't relate to, the, uh, to, to what, what it really, really, really means. And, again, whether or not you think this is a just war, either case, nobody likes what happens during war. Sometimes you think, well, it's a necessary evil to go through, and, uh, it, but it's still a horrific, horrific thing when um, people fight like that for whatever the reasons are. So we're going to take a look at this question on how does the Bible describe God's plan for ending war. And folks, if you have thoughts on the current situation and perhaps your perspective on God's viewpoint of all this, give us a call at 443-9782-443-WSUB. So Jonathan, when we ask this question, how does the Bible describe God's plan for ending war, I think the first thing we need to establish is that God is able to do it. Right. And then he's going to do it. I agree. All right. Let's establish that from the scriptures, and then we can build on that. All right. Why don't we read Isaiah 55, verses 7 through 13. Let the wicked forsake their way, and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord, that he may have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, say the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, 
So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall be to the Lord for a memorial, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. And this scripture, Jonathan, in Isaiah, uh, is, is really giving us a sense of the power of God. And it, it's sending a clear, clear, clear message. And that message is that just as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and they it's interesting because it talks about the scientific cycle of the water coming down from the heaven watering the earth and then it eventually go the water vapor eventually goes back up in into the heavens it says god's word is exactly the same way god's word goes out with a mission and it never ever comes back to him not having accomplished what he sent it out to do and I, what a See, to me, Jonathan, what, what we want to do this morning is we want to, to present a perspective of comfort uh, in, in the environment of, of war and upheaval and anxiety that God has it under control overall. Now, he may not be uh, moving every single little thing that's going on now, but overall, God sees the, the, the issues, God understands the issues, and God's Word has told us that he will bring these things to an end. And when he says it, he does it. That's right. And uh, what, a, what a great, great, great perspective to have. Um, just a couple of quick little scriptures before we go to that other thing. On, on, the, abil- uh, on, on the phrase in the scriptures that comes up every so often that says, God is able. Mm-hmm. Let's look at Luke 3, verse 8. Bring forth, therefore, fruits of worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And so God, God is able to create a family for himself amongst the families of the earth. And we'll get into that later on in the program. But he's saying, Jesus is saying he can raise them up out of the stones. So don't think you're in such great shape. Right, yeah. right. Don't, don't take things for granted because God can do things that we, don't, we just don't expect. Right. Romans 11.23 reads, and they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. And again, this is talking about the casting off of the, uh, the Jews as God's chosen people at the crucifixion of Jesus and uh, the, the establishment of, the, um, of, of Christianity. But he's saying that he is not casting away utterly forever the Jewish nation. That's right. And he's saying he can graft them in. He... He is able to bring them back into his favor when he wants that to happen. So God is able is, is a very, very, very uh, strong message as we look at the situation uh, that we are facing, and that is a situation of war. And it reminds me of a, of a, uh, of a song that I think we, we played once on the, on the program um, that, that gives a sense of the, the compassion and the... Um, uh, love and, and, and peace in God's way. This is called My Father's Eyes. I may not be in a free 
Jonathan and Rick with Christian Questions on 980 WSUV. Will wars ever end? Stay with us. Welcome back to Christian Questions on 980 WSUV with Jonathan and Rick. Our subject this segment, Will Wars Ever End? 
To be a part of our program, call 443-9782-443-WSUB. And Jonathan, this morning what we're doing is we are, um, I would say we are reflecting on the uh, power and um, overruling ability of God uh, in looking at a situation like this. And uh, as we mentioned in the first segment, it's not that God is overruling every minute detail of every little thing that's happening, right. especially in this, in this war situation. But what he is doing is he is allowing things to happen within the context of his predetermined plan. Correct. And we, we read a scripture in the first hour that talked about his word going out uh, from him uh, and accomplishing exactly what he sets it out to do. And uh, that's, that's, that's encouraging. That gives, that gives a lot of confidence if you know that your God is that powerful. That's right. Um, and we, we, we played the, the, um, the, the song in the, in the first segment called My Father's Eyes uh, by Amy Grant. And just, uh, I think that hopefully that will help to set the, the tone of where we want to go this morning. If we can look at things through our Father's eyes, and what, what kind of eyes are they? And some of the, the words from the song, I, it's, it's just beautiful. It says that it's, it's eyes that find the good in things, uh, eyes that find the source of help when there isn't any around uh, eyes that are, are, are full of compassion, um, seeing everything, knowing what you're going through, and feeling it the same. That, those are the characteristics of our Father's eyes. He really does see our hurt. He understands our pain and our suffering. Uh, he understands the injustices in the world in which we live. Uh, we were created in His image. And I think what that means is that humankind being created in the image of God, we were created with the ability to, to, to think and to reason and to feel, and uh, that's the way God is. And with those eyes, he sees us and he knows us and he knows what we're going through, and he has an answer. And that's the thing. When you look at the mess that we're in and bombs are being dropped and... and, and, and and, you know, you've got all of the, 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 the rhetoric and the propaganda flying around, and you've got the anti-war protests, and you've got the pro-America rallies, and you've got all this going on. God's eyes are full of compassion, and God knows better than we could possibly, possibly know. And God is able to change things. Yes, he is. And we're going to be reading, Rick, uh, from the book of Job, uh, chapter 38. Um, we're going to pick selected verses. And also we'll be ending with uh, Job 40, verses 1 through 5. And in this context, let's, let's just set the context before we start this reading, because this is important. And again, we're, we're doing this to, to, to give a, a sense of, of, of comfort uh, in, in the environment that we're in. Job was a man that was very God-honoring in his life. And the book of Job opens up essentially talking about how wealthy and, 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 and rich and, and happy Job was in his life. And prosperous. And very, very prosperous. And it's, it's saying, it's given the, the illustration that God and Satan are having this conversation. And God says to Satan, So, have you seen my servant Job? What a great guy he is. And Satan says to God, Well, he's only happy and great because you gave him all that stuff. If you took all of that stuff away, he'd curse you. And God says, No, he wouldn't. No, his heart is pure. Satan's, oh, yes, he would. So God gives Satan in this illustration permission to, to wreak havoc upon Job's life. And all of these, these pestilences and these, these horrific things happen, and 
<laughs> all of Job's wealth goes away. And now he has these comforters, and I'll put that in quotations. <laughs> Come yeah, to him. Yeah, friends like his. <laughs> he didn't you need enemies. enemies. That's right. <laughs> and they're all sitting around throughout the book of Job saying, Job, you must have done something really bad. God must really hate you now. You know? <laughs> And they're going on, and they're just and and they and they're bringing things and they're bringing them down essentially. And what happens is in in the book of, of Job, when you get to the thirty eighth chapter, uh, it's God is answering Job sort of in a vision, mm-hmm. and God is putting in perspective who he is in relation to Job and what seem to be really really big ominous problems, and he's saying Job, get a grip, and that that's the context that we want to um, read uh, right now. So we're going to be um, reading through that uh, at this point, starting with Job uh, chapter 38. It says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, Who is, is this that darkens counsel by words with knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man. I will question you, and you shall declare to me. Where were you? when I laid the foundation of the earth. Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Now this is God speaking. Who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the heavens began being shouted for joy. Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band, and prescribed bounds for it, and set bars and doors. He said, Thus far shall you come, and no farther, and here shall you, your proud waves be stopped. And God continues, almost lecturing Job. He says, Have you commanded the morning since your days began, and caused the dawn to know its place? Job, have you entered into the springs of the sea, or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare if you know all this. Where is the way to the dwelling light? And where is the place of darkness? That you may take it to its territory, that you may discern the paths to its home. Surely you know, for you were born then, and your number of days is great. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Or have you seen the storehouses of the hail? What is the way to the place where the light is distributed, or where the east wind is scattered upon the earth? Who has cut a channel for the torrents of rain, and a way for the thunderbolt, to bring rain on a land where no one lives, on the desert, which is empty of human life, to satisfy the waste and desolate land, and to make the ground put forth grass? Has the rain a father, or who has begotten the drops of dew? From whose womb did the ice come forth, and who has given birth to the hoarfrost of heaven? And God continues, Job, can you bind the chains of the Pleiades, or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth the Maseroth in their season, or can you guide the bear with its children? Do you know the ordinances of heaven? Can you establish their rule on earth? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds so that a flood of waters may cover you? Can you send forth lightnings so that so they may go and say to you, Here we are? Who has put wisdom in the inward parts or given understanding to the mind? Who has the wisdom to number the clouds? Or who can tilt the water skins of the heavens? And the Lord said to Job, Shall a fault finder 
contend with the Almighty? Anyone who argues with God must respond. Then Job answered the Lord, See, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once. I will not answer twice, but will proceed no further. And again, that was Job, most of chapter 38 and Job 40, verses 1 through 5. And, and Jonathan, that really puts it in perspective. God is saying to Job, can you do these things? Do you understand these things? Were you there when these things were created? Can you call the lightning bolts and say, you know, give account of yourself? Can you guide the stars? Uh, can you cut a channel for the torrents of the rain? Can you number the clouds? Job, can you do any of this? What's his answer? No. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> didn't mean to, ta to argue with you. <laughs> and, and see, I think that's exactly the point. When we realize that God, our creator, uh, is so much greater than we are, who are we to question his, his power and his plan? And, and again, I think his plan, it's not that we're saying that, you know, we can't question this plan and it's going to be a miserable end and, you know, it's going to be awful and terrible. I mean, the end result is going to be magnificent. That's right. And God, if God is able to control that creation, he is certainly able to guide the destiny of mankind. God will. He will. He is right now, even though it doesn't look like it, even though... That, and, and you would remind me of an illustration that we, we often talk about uh, when we look at, at, at God's will and God's way. Um, it's it's the, the phrase, and everybody's heard it, you never judge an artist by his unfinished work. And I, I can remember a specific incident. Um, I don't know where they were. My parents were somewhere away, and they were at a fair or something uh, watching uh, uh, an artist do a painting at this, this fair. And uh, it was beautiful. And my, and my dad was really like awe-inspired by it, and he was telling me about it. He says, and then he took this green paint, and he put a blob of it on the canvas, and I would, he said, I was so upset because he had ruined this beautiful picture. <laughs> and, and he was really upset, and my, you gotta, you got to know my dad. I mean, he was really into this, and he's saying, and I, I wanted to tell him. What, you know, what, what are you doing? Right, and he said, so I just, I just stood there, and I watched, and I saw what he did with this blob. He said, I don't know how he did it, but he, it ended up becoming a tree. But at the beginning, it was it was a blob. It didn't mean anything. My father actually bought the painting after he finished. <laughs> <laughs> he, was so, he was so impressed with how it was put together. And, 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 and the thinking was that I see this, this unfinished work, and I made a judgment on this unfinished work that you've ruined it. But he didn't. It just was in the mind of the artist and not yet to, it, to the eye of the man, to the eye of the beholder. So it's in, the plan is in the mind of God, and we, the beholders, just don't see it unfolded yet, but it is in the scriptures, and that's what we want to get to. Does your dad, dad still have the painting? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Jonathan, God will take care of this mess. Why don't we read 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 through 6. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And that little scripture is... See, that it's little scripture... Packed. That it's tells... Stuff. It tells the plan of God. It does. It tells the entire plan of God right there. In those three little verses, it says, 
that, first of all, God is the Savior of the world. Right. Okay? Meaning God does have his plan. Mm-hmm. All right? Then it says he will have all men to be saved. All men. My not, favorite word. Right. Not just Christians. No. Muslims alike. Everyone. Everyone. And he says not only to be saved, but come to a knowledge of the truth. And, Rick, this knowledge isn't just understanding a little bit, is it? No, no. This, the word literally means a full discernment of the truth. Complete understanding. Right. No so, question left. So if it says he'll have, if he'll have all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth, do you think that we see that at this point in time? Um, no way. Obviously not. <laughs> because there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. So it lays out the plan that, that the plan hinges upon the fact that Jesus gave his life as a ransom. Right. And the end result of that is all men coming to a knowledge of the truth. And here's the end part. The patience part that we need to deal with is testified in due time. Right. We have to wait. Right. But it's coming. He will. Right. The eye of the beholder does not yet see what is in the mind of the master. That's, that's exactly what, what the, the point that we're at. Take a look at this other scripture in Isaiah, Jonathan, that um, uh, prophesies um, a little bit about this, this, this plan and, and how it comes about. Why don't we read Isaiah 11, 1 through 9. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the reverence of the Lord. His delight shall be in the reverence of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but the righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with a lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the faltering there, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the wean child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Interesting that this scripture in Isaiah, written so many hundreds and hundreds of years before the scripture written in Timothy, carry the same theme about this knowledge of the Lord. In, in Timothy, it talks about that knowledge, that all men coming to a full understanding of the truth. Right. In Isaiah, it says that the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Now, the waters cover the sea pretty completely. Oh. <laughs> and sometimes they go further than they're supposed to. <laughs> and, and, you know, this, this, is, this is a wonderful prophecy that talks about, it says a shoot or, or, or a root shall come out of the stump of Jesse, a branch. And Jesse was the father of David. Right. And David was the ancestor of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And we see Jesus fulfilling this prophecy and it describes him it will have upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding i mean righteousness will be the belt around his waist and and it talks about the coming kingdom of peace and prosperity for all the world of mankind this is the plan of god
This is Jonathan and Rick with Christian Questions on 980 WSUV. Grab your Bibles. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Christian Questions on 980 WSUV with Jonathan and Rick. Our subject this morning, Will Wars Ever End? To be a part of our program, call 443-9782-443-WSUB. And Jonathan, we are talking about the plan of God um, in relation to the war that we we're seeing unfold before us right now. And we're talking about how God, uh, we have to look at, at the world through God's eyes. And those eyes we discussed earlier are eyes that are full of compassion, eyes that see things, eyes that feel. And we just read uh, the scripture in Job 38 that puts God's eyes in perspective in relation to man because God directly confronts Job and says, Job, can you do these things? Can you control these things? Do you know, do you know anything about the constellations in the sky? Do you know how to control the lightning and the thunder? Do you know how to control the, 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 the cycles of nature? I do. So don't mess with me. <laughs> that, and, and, and we need to keep that perspective and then and just before the break, we went through that, uh, those two scriptures, the one in First Timothy, talking about all men coming to a knowledge of the truth. And then in Isaiah 11, 1 through 9, the prophecy of Jesus coming and that the, there will not hurt or destroy it all my holy mountain for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is the prophecy of the plan of God unfolding before us. I believe we have a call. Welcome to Christian Questions. This is Jonathan and Rick. Who are we speaking with? Morning, gentlemen. This is Julius. Good morning, Julius. How is everybody? Great. Spring is finally sprung, uh, hopefully. That's right. Looks good. <laughs> no, uh, I, I want to uh, repeat something that I shared with you people before on wars and God's promises to end wars, etc. And remember a saying that I shared with you before, that the most profound truths are simple? Mm-hmm. Yes, there is a basic logic that appeals to me a lot about God and about how he operates. It was God that said there, there would be wars, there would be suffering, etc. Okay? But if, if those came to pass, didn't they? We're enduring them. Definitely. So, the same God promises that there will be peace. So, if one came to pass, the other one will come to pass also. That's pretty simple. Isn't that a simple truth? That is. So, uh, we, we, we pray for his kingdom, which will, will come for sure. And we'll end all wars. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. We appreciate it. You Thank too. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Sounded like Julius was on a cell phone. It did. Um, and and that, actually, that was a great, great point. Uh, the, the simplicity of the truth. God did say that uh, there would be wars and there would be unrest in, in humankind. And he also said that that would all come to an end. And obviously, it, sometimes it's so much easier to believe something that we've already seen happening rather than to believe something that is going to happen and you don't know how it's going to get there. Good point. But uh, if you understand the Bible at all, you can understand uh, that what God speaks of and, and the prophecies there, many have already come to pass. Many have already come true. Uh, there's mid hundreds of prophecies that we could point to to show you that that the Bible is not just a book of wise sayings. It's a book of history. It's a book that reads into the future. It's the reality of the future. And it's the understanding of the mind 
of God. And we are, to, are in the position of the eye of the beholder, and sometimes you can't see what's in his mind, but the Bible does reveal that to us. Well, Rick, we're going to read our theme text again, and that's found in Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, his authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And so it's talking about, again, another prophecy of Jesus. And as, as we go through our program uh, for, for the rest of this hour and into the second hour, we're going to come across a lot of that, a lot of prophecies of Jesus as to who and what he came to do. And this is very descriptive, giving him names. And first of all, it's saying authority rests on his shoulders. And his name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority will continually grow. There will be endless peace for his kingdom. I mean, what a great picture. And just like Julia said, it's a simple truth. If you believe that God is the Almighty God, what God says God does. That's right. And this scripture says, it ends with, the zeal of the Lord of hosts, hosts will do this. That's so, a promise. And it's a, it's a blanket statement. It's just like it's a statement of fact. Like yes. the sun will rise in the morning while the zeal of God will perform, uh, will bring his kingdom to pass. As sure as the sun rises in the morning, so will God's kingdom come to pass. What a tremendous example. We have another uh, piece of music, Jonathan right along those lines and uh what was this one this is this is my father's world that's right by amy grant by amy grant and again it's a proclamation of who's in control and who's not and certainly we're not the ones in control right
and that was This Is My Father's World by Amy Grant. And what a simple, straightforward message. It's God's world, and uh, we, we happen to live in it. He allows us to do so, and uh, he has got a plan in place that is far beyond anything we could ever imagine. And, you know, when we think about that, one of the things I think of um, is, is the relationship you have with your own children, especially when they're little, little children. And, uh, I mean, I, I see that in, like, in, in, Sean's, in Sean's little boys, because his kids are a lot younger than mine, <laughs> and yours. Yes. Um, th- how, when, and I've seen it when, when, when Sean walks into the room, his little one, he just lights up. You know, he just, he, it's like this, 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 this glow comes over him, because that's his dad. It's cool. It is cool. <laughs> it, is, it is just a cool thing. And a small child... When they, when they look at their dad, for instance, and they, they're, they're at the point where they can begin to communicate. I mean, their dad is just like the, the, the strongest man in the world. Oh, yeah. He's the smartest guy around. For sure. He can run faster. He can jump high. He can do anything. And that's the child's viewpoint of, 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 of their dad. They, they see that, that the, them as all-powerful. And that's a little microcosm picture of the way we ought to look at our father. And we ought to have that same childlike enthusiasm for his power, his wisdom, his strength, and his love for us. Because it's his world. That's right. And we live here. And he has created us in his image. And I just think it's, it's just, it just makes, makes the, the, the power of God in our lives so much more real when you, when you bring it down to a, a picture like that. But uh, anyway, Jonathan, let's, let's move forward. I get sidetracked. I apologize. I keep telling you. We're going to get over to this part. <laughs> and then we don't because I talk too much. But let's understand something. The, you know, we're talking about the plan of God uh, being fulfilled and, and ending war specifically. And the need for, for Jesus as the pivot point of this plan was always evident. And we won't take the time to read the scriptures. But if you look at the account of creation, uh, man sinned. Right. Mankind was given, Adam was given the garden to live in. They disobeyed. They disobeyed. And as a result of that disobedience, um, they were cast out of that garden, and the rest of us were, were doomed to a life of sin. But God prof- put a prophecy in place right at the beginning that uh, gave us a sense that there was going to be uh, retribution for that. And just read that, Genesis 3.15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Now, God is speaking to Satan at this point. Right. Described mm-hmm. as a serpent. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, he's, and he's giving Satan sentence. Right. For what he did in his part in this deception. Because he tempted Eve. Right. Yeah. And he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head. And when you crush the head of a serpent... You kill it. You kill it. And you will strike his heel. You can mortally wound somebody that way. Mm-hmm. But the point of this is that there's a prophecy embedded in that, in that phrase that talks about Jesus eventually, because of his sacrifice, uh, destroying Satan. That's right. Absolutely destroying him. And it was right at, so right at the very first inkling of messing up, there was hope planted. Right. And I think sometimes we just don't think about it often enough. And uh, Jesus, we know, was, um, was with God. That's right. Uh, before uh, he, came, he came to earth. And let's read through a few prophecies that 
talk about Jesus' availability to do the work that needed to be done. Let's read Revelation 13, verse 8. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. All whose names have not been written in the book of life, belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. And the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. It goes right back to that uh, initial prophecy there. Uh, Jesus, the, the Lamb slain... It was, the, In other words, the plan was already conceived in the mind of God before it, it even began to unfold. He understood the ends and the beginnings and everything in between. Also, we won't read the whole scripture because we're running out of time in the first hour, but I, in Isaiah chapter 6, verses uh, 5 through 10, we'll just read verse 8. And just get that verse 8, Jonathan. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And he said, Here am I, send me. And again, that is pro prophetically uh, speaking of, of, of Jesus in that angelic pre-human existence, saying, I'm, I'll go. I'll go do the work that needs to be done. And in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 10, uh, we'll read just parts of it. It says, See, God, I have come to do your will, O God. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. Jesus again, through the prophet Isaiah, saying, I will go to do what needs to be done because I understand your plan. And it's not to have evil run the world. It is to have peace reign. War will come to an end, and it's through the work of Jesus that that work will happen. In the second hour, we'll come back and take a look at what the world will look like when the plan of God has unfolded. For Jonathan and Rick, this is Christian Questions. We'll be back after the news, but until then, think about it. paradox in pride. It makes some people ridiculous, but prevents others from becoming so. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. The objective of our program is to discuss with you, our listeners, thought-provoking and meaningful topics based on the Bible. It's a call-in format. We're caller-friendly, and we look forward to hearing your point of view. And Jonathan, what are we talking about? We're talking about will wars ever end. And our theme text is found in Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And Jonathan, we are talking about the present circumstance of the war in Iraq and how unsettling that is for all of us, whether you believe it's a just war or not. That's it's, right. It's an unsettling experience. It is. Some of us believe that it's a necessary thing that has to be done. Some of us believe we shouldn't be over there. In any case, the act of war is never comfortable. And uh, we're, we're looking at that hopefully through the context this morning of God's eyes. And what is God seeing 
in terms of this war and what does God see for the future of mankind? Not what do we think is going to happen, but what does God say is going to happen? And that's the, the perspective we're taking this morning. And, and folks, hopefully as you, as you listen through the second hour, this is going to be a message of comfort because God does have a plan. Not only does he have a plan, but it's a good plan. And when, when you hear, hear all of the, the fairy tales, you know, just the fairy tales, the st stories you tell to the little kids, mm -hmm. how do they always end? Happily ever after. That's right. <laughs> and they lived happily ever after. Well, I will tell you that that fairy tale ending actually has a reality attached to it. It does. For the world of mankind, and we're getting to that in the second hour. You were going to say something, but I didn't let you. Well, I was going to say, uh, Jesus, Jesus answered the call for the need of salvation for the world, and as we know, that means everyone. And we just read some scriptures right before uh, the, uh, the second break here. And I think that it's important to realize what, what Jesus came to do. Let, let's read through, quickly, read through some scriptures that describe his mission. Luke 2, verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Right. doesn't matter who you are, those good tidings for all people. In 1 Corinthians 15, 22, it says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. And it continues with 5 and 6, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Jonathan, there's a theme here. There is. And it's a very crystal clear theme when you look at these scriptures rapid fire like this. All are in sin and all are redeemed. In John 5, 28 and 29, Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be judged. In John 1.29, it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Not the sin of a few, not the sin of those who repent, but the sin of the world. Hebrews 2.9, But we see Jesus, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor, because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Jonathan, there's a lot of scriptures that we just read. There are. And they all say the same thing. That's right. That Jesus came as a ransom for all. All died in Adam. See, this is simple. This is simple mathematics. It is. Adam sinned and was doomed to a life of sin. All of Adam's family, therefore, was born in sin. Right. So they had no choice. Exactly. Jesus comes along and fulfills the law of God and then gives up his right to live a perfect human life so that he can cancel out Adam's sin. So it's Jesus for Adam. That's right. Because Adam was created perfect. Exactly. Jesus was perfect. Yes. As in Adam, everyone dies. So in Jesus, everyone's made alive. That's, that's perfect. It, right. <laughs> it is. And that's the plan that we, we keep talking about. And the, the ex, that, that is the execution of the plan. Um, let's, um, let, let's move forward because we're, we're never going to cover everything. And uh, this is, this is a, uh, an important aspect here. Jonathan, for the rest of the program, what we want to do, 
is we want to give a description of this plan uh, and what it's going to look like. We, we talked in the first hour, we gave the illustration of not, not judging an artist by his unfinished work. Right. So what we want to do, and, and, and the world in which we live is certainly the unfinished work. Oh, definitely. It's way unfinished. You got it. It's like bad. <laughs> and what we want to do is, fortunately, we know the artist, and he has laid out for us what it's going to look like. Mm-hmm. We can't see it physically, but we can see what his plans are. Right. Because he's got his plans written out. And so the purpose for the permission of evil, and that's what we're experiencing right now, this, this permission of evil, and it's, very, it's exemplified in, 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 this, in this war in Iraq. Whether you think it's just or unjust, war is, is an evil thing. Right, no doubt. So this purpose is to give all of us, humankind, an unforgettable first-hand experience with evil. It's for the purpose of teaching all of humankind the disastrous results of life without, uh, of a life lived without God as its center. It is for the purpose of teaching the consequences of disobedience to God's direction. It is for the purpose of showing all of us the sinfulness of sin so that we may never, ever, ever wish to go back to such a way of life if we could uh, get away from it. And in the midst of it, sometimes it's, it's cloudy and we can't see. And in the midst of war, sometimes it's hard to know what's going on. We have to learn to see things actually from a distance rather than right up close to get our perspective.
From a Distance by Bette Midler, and that was the somewhat of a, of a theme uh, through the first Gulf War uh, back in 1991. And uh, God is watching us. And it, it, it's kind of uh, it, it's sobering to think about some of the, the words of that song when they, it talks about, you know, from a distance you look like my friend, even though we're at war. Right. And you think about it, and, and the, the family of man is just that. It's a family. It's supposed to be a family, but sometimes we are so far apart in that family that we, uh, we resort to such, such things. And, and again, whether you believe this war is just or not, uh, this is not a program about debating that, that, that point. It's a program to say that the, the evils of war, just or not, are never pretty. And God watches us from a distance, and he looks upon our hearts, but he also knows that whatever happens in the short run, in, the, in, these, in these days that we have in front of us, are not dictating what his plan is going to be, because he's got his plan all set out. And Jonathan, just before the break, why don't you read this Genesis 22 scripture, because this really, really ties in well with this thought. And verses 15 to 18 reads, And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of the heaven the second time, and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed, as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. This is a promise given to Abraham, that through his, through him, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Now, God didn't arbitrarily decide to bless the world through Abraham because of Abraham. No, he didn't. Even though Abraham was a good guy. Yes. Rather, God chose Abraham because he had a plan, and Abraham could help him carry it out. Right. And we've got to realize that. God doesn't, God doesn't change his plan because somebody comes along. Somebody comes along that helps the plan of God to be fulfilled. Whether, whether they came along or not, God's plan is going to happen. And I think that is the key factor here. See, from a distance, God knows. This is Jonathan and Rick with Christian Questions on 980 WSUB. Grab your Bibles. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Christian Questions on 980 WSUB with Jonathan and Rick. Our subject this segment, Will Wars Ever End? To be a part of our program, call 443-9782-443-WSUB. Yes, they will. God said so. And that's good enough for me. Me too. However, we're not just going to stop there. We're going to read what God says about it. We're going we're to look at the description of how this plan is going to come about. And we had just left off with this promise given to Abraham... Uh, that all the families of the earth will be blessed through him and through his seed. And uh, that's where Jesus came in. That's right. Why don't we read Romans 5, 18 and 19. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. 
and Jesus is fulfilling that promise of Abraham. And, and that, that expands even further because it, it also the seed of Abraham uh, is expanded uh, in the New Testament. That's right, found in Galatians three twenty six through 29. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So it says that you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise, and that's why the call of Christianity is not spread throughout the world. Right. Because the promise said that there would be a blessing of the world through the seed of Abraham. Mm-hmm. So if all of the world was to become Christian now, the blessing of the world wouldn't happen because of the seed of Abraham, which is the, the Christians. Right. The, you have to have somebody to bless. Exactly. So that's, that's why that's why Christianity has not, has not overtaken the world. It's, it's really that simple, because that wasn't God's plan. Exactly. How about if we read Romans eight sixteen through 19? The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. So the expectation of the world, and, and we, we talked about this earlier, Jonathan, the world does not like war, uh, except for a few maniacs, and we don't count them, because they're just, they're off. <laughs> and, and, and they're looking for an answer, they're looking for, for a way to, to bring in peace. You see protesters, you know, mm-hmm. doing it through marching. You see right. others saying, well, peace comes through strength. Well, they're all looking for the same answer. Exactly. Just going different ways. And what they're really waiting for is the manifestation of the sons of God to bring that peace. Bring the kingdom of God that we're all praying for in the Lord's Prayer. They'll bring it with them. Even though they don't realize that's what they're waiting for. And that's... Some of them. Well, most of them. Pretty much everybody. It it would be... It'll it'll be such a shock when, when I think, when when, when the plan of God is actually finally unfolded and Mm -hmm. the world sees how it works... They'll be awestruck. They'd How say, wonderful! Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> <laughs> it's just—it would be an—it's an amazing thing. It is. And the, the the true Christians are 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 a separate and distinct class from the rest of the world. Let's read Acts three twenty five and twenty six. Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, God having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Okay, so it talks about, brings up the blessing of all the families of the earth again. And at 1 Timothy 4.10 it says, For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. So you've got the Savior of all men, but especially of those that believe. See, it's different, but the same. Exactly. And First John 2, 2, And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Having said all of that, Jonathan, let's now go into the final phase of this program, and that is, let's describe 
according to the scriptures, what God's plan for the ending of wars looks like. Let's take a look at some scriptural prophecies that lay out pictures of the world, what it's going to look like once God's plan is in full force. Now understand, God's plan is working now, but we just don't see the end result. We are, what we're looking at is we're looking into the mind of the artist to see the finished work rather than the unfinished work that we are living in. Let's read Isaiah 35. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with trouble, recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For water shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler Not even fools shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there, for the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return, and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing flee away. Now, Jonathan, let's take a look at that scripture again. And let's kind of go back and touch on some of the high points. This, this is a picture of what the plan of God looks like from a distance. That's right. Not being stuck in the middle of, of the turmoil and the, and the pain and sin and death, but in the afterwards. And I, I tell you, I really, I, it really moves me, especially starting at verse 4. It says, Say to those who are of a fearful heart, Be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. Finally, right. what they've been waiting for, it's here. And now it says he will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. So it's a, it, there, there's, a, there's a time of trouble yes. prophesied right there. It says he will come and save you. And once that trouble is done, it says then the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, the lame man shall leap like a deer, the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. The healing of God will be present on the earth. That's right. And it's going to change the way we live. He talks about a highway. You see that in verse 8? Oh, yes. A highway shall be there. It shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. And then it, it ends up at the end of the chapter, and the ransoms of the Lord shall return Come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness. And then the last words. Read read those last words. And sorrow and sighing shall flee away. You know, when something flees away, it just goes. It's gone. 
and sorrow. Imagine a world in which there is no sorrow. Oh, won't that be great? It's so hard to comprehend, especially in the context of the, of, of the circumstances we're living in. And based on all the scriptures that we've just, just read through, uh, we think about the Lord's Prayer that we always talk about. God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we read the scriptures about the heirs of God, those that are Christ, mm -hmm. blessing all the families of the earth on the earth. You can see how heaven and earth, God's kingdom is perfect, covering both aspects. Right, and it's interesting in, 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 that, in the Lord's Prayer, and I've got it over here, it's in Matthew chapter 6. Um, he's giving his followers an example of how to pray. And he said, when you, when you pray, don't, don't be like the hypocrites standing in, in, in the public places and drawing attention to yourself. Pray humbly. And he says, pray this way, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Why would Jesus tell his disciples to pray for God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done on earth if it wasn't going to happen. He wouldn't have if it wasn't going to happen. Right. So he's Obviously, telling, he's telling them to pray for something because he knew the mind of the artist. He could see what the finished picture looked like. And he was telling them to, to earnestly pray for that fulfillment to come to them. And he trusts in the Old Testament scripture, the earth abideth forever. Right, right. Let's go through the, the, the next scripture. Zechariah eight twenty through 23. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, It shall come to pass that there shall come people and the inhabitants of many cities. And the inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us go speedily to pray before the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I will go also. Yea, many people and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, In those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, We will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. And Jonathan, again, this is a, another prophecy, and this is in Zechariah, and, and, and when I look at this, verse 21 really strikes me. The inhabitants of one city shall go to another city, saying, Let us go speedily and pray before the Lord to seek the Lord of hosts, and I will go also. We're talking hordes of people from one city going to another saying, Let's go pray before the Lord. Can you imagine? They don't even allow you to pray in school. <laughs> and here we, have, here we have prophetically a view of the world having a prayerful attitude. And, and this crosses countries' borders. Right. I mean, everything, everyone together, the whole family of the earth, bonded together as a family, are going to do this. It is, it is a magnificent picture, and it's really hard to believe. When you look at the world, if, if you just look at where we are in this little microcosm of our, of our, our, our little life, and, and the turmoil that the world is in now, you look at that and you say, oh, that's impossible. Just wait. You ain't seen nothing yet. See, these are prophecies, Jonathan, that are embedded in the scriptures. Many of prophecies alongside of these prophecies have already come true. So these are the ones that are just coming true uh, down the road, so to speak. This, this is a magnificent viewpoint of the mind of the artist as we, as we look at these Old Testament uh, prophecies of what this kingdom of God is going to look like. Why don't we read Jeremiah 31, verse 34. 
And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. When, when, I, when I read that scripture, I often think of, of the... Uh, when, when news spreads, and you, know, you say, Jonathan, have you heard the latest? And, and did you hear about this? And people do that now, especially with with the war going on. Sure. Did you sure. hear the latest developments? Did you hear what they, you know, what happened here? What how this went? How that went? This is almost saying, you know, that's not even going to have to happen anymore. Nobody's going to have to say, hey, did you hear the latest? Did you hear how God's plan has moved forward? They're not going to have to say that because it says that no more will they say to every man, do you know the Lord? It's going to be like, well, well, duh. Everybody <laughs> knows the Lord. That's right. From the least to the greatest. Because God will have forgiven every man's iniquity. Wow. Now, let's, 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 let's put, the, put, put that in perspective. That forgiveness doesn't come without our, our working towards righteousness. Mm-hmm. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a different subject. It's not just a forgiveness like, okay, everybody did bad and I'm just going to erase it all. No. What it, what it is, we have, to, we have to live righteously. But this is in the context of being forgiven and God saying... I will remember their sin no more, and everybody will be on the same page. That's right. Another scripture that goes with that is Zephaniah 3, verse 9. For then will I turn to the people a pure language, that they may all call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one consent. Now, when you have all men serving the Lord with one consent, and again, I think about the uh, before the war, uh, the, the, uh, the, 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 tremendous debates going on in the context of the UN Security Council mm-hmm. there was not one consent there no. was there was divisiveness there was there was argument there was there was upheaval yes. here and, and and that's the way man has to work because we're so diverse in our in our perspectives on things mm-hmm. in the kingdom of god all of that divisiveness will have been melted away because it will all be in the context of god's will god's way god's plan not ours from the song uh from a distance uh she mentioned that all will be in harmony in the future right and harmony one consent to me just makes so much sense so as we look at the the kingdom of god we're seeing a world that seems almost too good to be true but it is this is jonathan and rick with christian questions on 980 wsuv Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Christian Questions on 980 WSUV with Jonathan and Rick. Our subject this segment, Will Wars Ever End? To be a part of our program, call 443-9782-443-WSUV. And Jonathan, as we uh, continue our, our look at the kingdom of God... I think an important observation to make as we repaint this picture is that we're not just taking one little scriptural statement and doing a lot of conjecture and, and, and imagination here. Exactly. We're reading many different scriptural statements from many different books of the Bible that tell us that, that this, they describe the picture. Mm-hmm. All we're doing is relaying what, what's in there. And I, I think it's a, it's a wonderfully uh, important aspect of God's plan to realize that the picture is laid out for us. All we have to do is look for it. Great point. 
Well, Rick, why don't we read Micah chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. But in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow unto it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, and to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth of Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among many people, and rebuke strong nations afar off. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts hath spoken it. For all people will walk, every one, in the name of his God. And we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Man, now that is, that was Micah chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. And Jonathan, there are some powerful words here. Uh, again, a powerful picture uh, is painted by these words. It talks about the, the, the uh, mountain of the Lord, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow unto it. I just get what the, a picture. Right. Mass of humanity flowing unto this mountain of the Lord. And it says many nations, just like you said early, nations mm -hmm. shall come and say, let us go to the mountain of the Lord. And then it talks about they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. If that's not saying war will end, I don't know what would. Implements of war will be transformed into implements of peace. That's right. That's exactly what it's saying. And it says, They shall not lift up sword against nation either, it shall they learn war anymore, but they will sit every man under his vine, under his fig tree, and no one will be there to make them afraid. I tell you, looking at the vine and the fig tree, meaning that the Lord is going to provide shelter and sustenance for life in this kingdom where we don't have to work and sweat for, where it's going to be lovingly given right. to humanity and all people will walk everyone in the name of his god everyone wow what a picture but you know what it gets even better it does let's continue all right let's read isaiah 61 verses 1 through 4 the spirit of the lord god is upon me because the lord has anointed me he has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall rise up from the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities and devastations of many generations. This is big. This is big because... Whoa. <laughs> this, is, this is overwhelming because, first of all, it, what, what is really fascinating to me is that um, 
in that first Isaiah 61 1 the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me Jesus quoted that early in his ministry he was in the synagogue and he got up to read and he opened to Isaiah and he read that essentially he was announcing himself right he was saying that is talking about me and this is what I've come to do I've come to bring news to the oppressed I've come to bind up the brokenhearted. I have come to proclaim liberty to the captives, to release the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance, which will lead to the day of peace. That's what he came to do. So he perfect. He made this announcement. I'm here to do that. And the, the way this prophecy ends is, is startling. They shall build up ancient ruins. They shall raise up former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities and the devastations of many generations. We're seeing on television, we're seeing a war where cities are being ruined. Right. And the scripture is telling us that the, that the undoing of, of, of civilization shall be undone by God. Mm -hmm. And so be, there will be a repair, an awesome repair, because Jesus came, because Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice. And this is what it looks like afterwards after all the evil is done with isaiah 42 verses 3 through 12 a bruised reed he will not break and a dimly burning wick he will not quench he will faithfully bring forth justice he will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his teaching thus says god the lord who created the heavens and stretched them out who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prisons, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. See, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare before they spring forth. I tell you of them. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the end of the earth. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the coastlands and their inhabitants. Let the desert and its towns lift up their voice, the villages that... Keter inhabitants, let the inhabitants of Selah sing for joy. Let them shout from the tops of the mountains. Let them give glory to the Lord and declare his praise in the coastlands. So again, another prophecy that's talking about the, the goodness of God stretching out over the earth and, and God's omnipotence, God's ability to have control over and to, to uh, dominate the affairs of man. And I, I, I love the way the, the description in, in the beginning of this prophecy, a bruised reed will he not break, and a dimly burning wick will he not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. And when I, when I, read, when I read those words, I, it, early in the program we talked about the, that song, My Father's Eyes, yes. eyes full of compassion, mm -hmm. uh, bringing help where there is none, understanding God's eyes are so compassionate to the cries of humanity he sees it it's just not yet time for what he's doing about it to be revealed it's not like god is silent it's not like god is not involved 
just that what he's doing is not yet being revealed. And once it's revealed, you will see the magnificence of his compassion. It's utterly amazing. Rick, let's read Isaiah 11, verse 9. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We touched on that scripture earlier in the program. And uh, again, what a clear picture of what this kingdom of God looks like. You know, we talked about the lion laying down with the lamb and the mm -hmm. child shall lead them and not being any fear and not being any sorrow anymore and, and healing going on. All of these things are going to happen. And how about the resurrection of all the families coming together, their loved ones from the past that they can rejoice with in God's kingdom. Well, you think you got to have people on the earth for this to happen with. That's and, right. and that's, Jesus prayed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. What is the kingdom of God? Well, we haven't seen it yet. All we have seen are inklings of the kingdom through the words of the scriptures. We've seen pictures of the kingdom through the prophecies in the scriptures. We've seen evidence of the kingdom through the life of Jesus. Remember how Jesus came and he healed people? Yes. That was evidence of the kingdom. That was a that was a glimpse. That, that was a, that was a preview. You know, That's you, right. you go to the movies and you see previews of coming coming features. Yeah. You know, well, <laughs> the big feature coming is is this kingdom where Jesus will come with healing in his wings. He will what he did as miraculous as it was. I mean, he healed multitudes. He raised people from the dead. As miraculous as all that was, that is literally nothing in comparison to the actual kingdom being enforced. And all of these scriptures, Jonathan, have been pointing to that kingdom. Let's read the next one. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any pain anymore, for the former things are passed away. And that's uh, one of the final prophecies in the entire Bible. And it's interesting, Jonathan, how early on in the scriptures, one, the first prophecy in the scriptures was about uh, Jesus putting an end to Satan. The last prophecy in the scriptures is about what that ends up being looking like. And in Revelation uh, 21, verse 4, God wipes away all tears from their eyes, and there's no more death, nor sorrow, or crying or any more pain, for the former things are gone. They're done. They're former. They used to be. It's the way life used to be. It's the old world. It's, it's history. It's ancient history. It doesn't happen anymore because now the kingdom of God is in place. Jonathan, as we wrap up this program, we're going to want to finish up with a, with a song that uh, was by Peter, Paul, and Mary. That's right. Called Day is Done. And... Uh, as we go into that, you know, it doesn't have the, the, the same sort of significance, perhaps, that the other songs have in, in relation to the, the world, except one point. 
And that point is, this Revelation scripture we just read talked about the former things are passed away. And in the song, it talks about a father talking to his son, and all will be well when the day is done. And when you think about that in the context of the Revelation scripture, when this day is done, all will be well. See, because God wipes away all their tears, and there's no more death, there's no more sorrow, there's no more crying, and no more pain. There's reunions now. There's, there's the resurrection that brings a wonderful, wonderful world. For Jonathan and Rick, this is Christian Questions. We'll be back next week. Till then, think about it. Will it help if I stay very near? I am here.